Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're on SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And it's four past ten. And uh, we've been talking correctly. We had Daniel McCarty on last hour. Uh, we've been talking NFL. We had Ben Ryder on last hour as well. And actually, when we were talking about the Hamlin situation and how that changed the narrative of all the news in the NFL, right? We mm. talked about that just before the break. It reminded me a little bit of the Philip Hughes situation. You know, when Philip Hughes got killed um, with taking that ball to the back of the helmet, the narrative stopped being about anything to do with cricket outside of how we can protect batsmen more, right? Yeah, no, 100% it did. And, and I wonder if this will have a flow-on effect um, and then how the game's played, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we've seen them stop the cannonball tackle, you know, mm. to, to protect players' knees. Yeah. And we've seen them stop players leading with their helmet and tackles um, head-to-head yeah. um, to, to help stop with the CTE situation. Does this uh, become something else that they have to look at? But, I mean, the, the, the problem, conversely here, is that it was the def- the player with the ball who made contact with the tackler rather than the other way around, which is what you used to seeing. Yeah, right. I guess the only thing is that if they, they have talked about even going as far as making tackles around the hips. Yeah. Um, and we know we know with rugby that brings in other head injuries. Oh, yeah. You know, hip to head, that kind of stuff, getting knocked out cold from the knee if you go too low. Um, so, or, and with the helmets that they wear as well, geez, knee injuries and stuff like that will become quite prevalent. So I don't know what's going to come from this. Uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully they just write it down as a freak accident, uh, recovers and he's, he's A-OK. So yeah, we now we've had plenty of texts through as well on double eight double three. Mitch, not so much on the NFL, but uh, more on the cricket. Yeah, we have. Uh, I'm going to start with um, the most recent one we have. We've got another couple there as well. But Tom's text through. He said, uh, excluding the third test against South Africa, Australia have played 28 tests in the world with since the World Cup. They've won 18, drawn five, and lost five. They've played 18 home tests and won the toss 72.2% of the time. Great stats here, Tom. Um, with the pitches in Australia, they win the toss and they bat 88.8% of the time. So you see that the toss is quite favourable in Australia. In away tests, they've won the toss 70% of the time. And overall, they've won the tosses 71.4% of the so time. So what you're saying here, Tom, is that the Australians are, uh, are great tosses. I I think by the end of that, I think that's what Tom's saying. I actually think Tom's saying that, like maybe like it's a it's a weighted. Hey, sandpaper gate's gone. Maybe it's a weighted coin. Yeah, particularly in Australia. Yeah, Uh, but yeah, tosser gate. (laughs) I like it. 
<laughs> maybe maybe that's why uh, David Warner was trying to get back into the captaincy. <laughs> wow, well, you know the biggest toss that I've got. So you know, <laughs> I, I see where you're going with that. I see where yeah, you're going. I like but, it. Yeah, it is interesting though what Tom's saying there because um, you know we we see it particularly in T20 the toss is. is Crucial, particularly like T20, recent T20 World Cups, yep. how crucial that's been. But seeing it as a knock-on on tests is really interesting as well. Yeah, it is. Um, it is a big advantage, particularly in Australia. Like you look at New Zealand when it's green, mm. it swings around a bit more. In Australia, you get that up and down bounce. The cracks come into play a little bit more because it's so hot. So, yeah, winning the, winning the toss in your home conditions is also an advantage. The, the other interesting point, which I don't think Tom was trying to touch on, but in that message did touch on, is the fact that um, they've played 18 tests at home mm. in those 28 tests. And, and I think when we won the World Test Championship, we had a significant amount of games at home um, as well against weak opposition. Yeah, so, so how does that work? Because I look at the Test Championship and the way they, they schedule points. I mean, and you're all on a ta- points table, but some teams have played 10 tests more than other teams. Mm. Yeah, it's all weighted. And, yeah, and so, but surely you should be making it so that you're uh, everybody's playing the same amount of home and away tests, or at least with a one or two of each other, not you know this much of a differential. Uh, yeah, well, I guess it's I guess it's going to swing in cycles. So as soon as you cotton on to to who's going to get the most amount of home tests, yeah, um, I think if you if you're looking at having a punt on who's going to be in that final, you'd be backing the teams that have got the most home tests. Funnily enough, Pakistan was one of those teams, and they had a great opportunity to make this World Test Championship final, and they've really blown it this last against England and here against New Zealand. Yeah, they've only won what two I think in the last thirteen months, yeah. two tests. Yeah, it's been like horrendous. That. Yeah, been terrible. Uh, now, Mitch is with us only for one more day after today. So our number is 0800 150 811. 0800 150 That is the Kenard's High phone line. If you've got a question for a former black cap around the cricket, uh, let us know. Jump on the phone, 0800 150 811 or And a couple of other texts you wanted to get to as well here, Mitch. Yeah, we do. Uh, earlier text from Jason. Uh, he came in and, and said that um, Black Caps need to get Justin Langer as their coach, like England signed Brendan McCullum as their mm. coach. If they do, uh, if they do look at getting rid of Stead at some point in the future, um, Ricardo, what are, what are your thoughts around that? Before I, I dig into that a little bit more, I don't, mate. I don't know. I don't. It feels to me like Justin Langer maybe wouldn't be the right personality fit. He, he feels like he mm. might be an old-school style coach, yeah. coach that might have worked in the 60s and 70s, maybe yep. even the 80s, but won't work now. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair summation, uh, Ricardo. I think that's probably right. I think you were talking to me yesterday uh, off-air mm. that none of the Australian cricketers uh, are willing to do an on-air interview with Justin Langer yeah. uh, in the test, like a one-on-one on-air interview. They, they just won't do it. So um, that just kind of shows... A, the, the respect I guess they have for Justin Langer after what's happened. There are elements of Justin Langer, the way he goes about his coaching, that I could see being beneficial to a New Zealand side. I, I think there's been this this nice side for a long period of time in New Zealand cricket, and some it would be nice if someone could come in and give that like that winning attitude and, and what it takes to be a winner mm. and really drive that high level of performance and, and trying to strive for those results. But um, they would have to be offset with um, the new age of coaching, like Aaron Walsh, is, he's just um, we had him on yesterday. He's done a great Twitter feed yesterday, uh, last night actually, um, based around that and that coaches aren't going to be successful in this new generation if they're just dictating to their players and saying get them behind it. They're they're going to have to 
give them some reins and, and let them be part of the decision making and how the team needs to be driven and and we may not all agree with that um, that kind of strategy as fans of the game or any sport in, in particular but unfortunately that just seems to be the way that a coach is A going to keep his job and players seem to, to be able to perform in their chosen sport in the future so it's just part of it now I guess so Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, because that was the thing, is that Andrew McDonald is now the head coach for the Australian cricket team. He was the number two to Langer, and apparently when he was the number two, he was the conduit. So he would talk to the players, and he would talk to Langer, but Langer would never talk to the players, particularly towards the end because of the relationship. So we've seen him go in the Andrew McDonald now. He's got Daniel Vittorian. We now know he's got Andre Adams in as part of the bowling setup as well. So it's really... You're looking at guys, I mean, I, I know Andre a little bit, not as much as you will, don't really know Daniel, but they seem to be quite good blokes. So it's, it's a different profile of person they're getting in the coaching setup. Yeah, really good blokes. And um, Andre Adams is a really good case of, of that example. When he played, he was, geez, I remember him just spraying me every time I played for him. I played against him when I was at CD and like absolutely ripping into me. And, and when he came into coaching, he came in pretty rip, shit and bust like that, yeah. his playing attitude. And he's found that if he was going to, play and, and uh, sorry, uh, make that transition from a player to a coach, he really needed to get to know the players first um, and then delve into trying to negotiate with them on what he wanted them to do. And he's been very successful in Sydney with New South Wales and, and with the Sixers and now with Australia. Yeah, now we've had a call through on the Ken Atai phone line, 0800 150 811. Cliff from Dunedin uh, wants to talk Black Caps captaincy. G'day, Cliff, how are you? Yeah, good. Happy New Year to you, fellas. Yeah, you too. Yeah, good. Hey, um, you had some good stuff uh, coming out to this morning about the, the Black Caps. The future for the, for the team itself, um, I still believe New Zealand have still got that idea of trying to mould 15 or 16 players into playing most of the three series of teams, mm. you know, like the 20s. 50s in the test, they try and mould everybody into fitting into into the, all all the all the sides basically, and that's what most of the other teams got away from. Especially their 20s, they uh, have probably only one or two players in their 20s that might play test cricket, uh, whereas we seem to have only one or two players in our 20s that don't play test cricket, and it's it just. It makes it to, you know, it's probably a cheaper way to do it. You, you contract the same guys, the same 20 or 18 players, and then and then you work with the same guys. Now, I feel that brought up about Rosinda, uh, the um, young fellow who plays in Auckland, that he he was looking like the guy to come into the squad as a test player, bat at seven, mm. but then suddenly after a, a couple of series of, other cricket, suddenly he's, he's in the wilderness again, um, not picked. Um, you know, to me, Mike Bracewell, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a bit player. He's he's handy in the short film, film of the game, but now they're moulding them into the test side. Now he looks too defensive to me. He just bowls a leg. Mm. Really, he's you know bowled twenty five overs yesterday and never really looked like getting any wickets. Sure, playing playing three spinners is good, but you just need to be a bit more attacking. So, what do you, what do you think? Do you think we're still going down that road of being two one way? 
Yeah, look, I'll, I'll break down. I'll I'll ta- start with um, with Michael Bracewell. Um, that's an interesting one. I think in the out of the three spinners that you've got there, um, in those conditions, I think he is your holding spinner. He's the spinner who's going to be at one end, who's going to be trying to be a bit more miserly, a bit more economical. So an Ishodi or an AJS Patel can can take some wickets at the other end. Obviously, if he's against a left-hander, um, then he becomes that attacking option. So it's balancing out those partnerships. And I think uh, McCarty touched on it last night. They just didn't seem to know how those bowling partnerships were going to work, and they lost their way in that middle period there. And with a good decision and in, in, in the black. Cat's favour in terms of that stumping um, off Mitchell, uh, they kind of got back into that day's play. So I think he he can be that holding guy, but they need to figure out when he's going to be the aggressive guy as well. And he's got to be able to change those gears. On the contracting stuff, super interesting because there are lots of countries around the world like England who have a white ball list, a pure white ball list, and they have a pure test cricket list, and they have a separate coach for each of those um, each of those formats. And, and it's something I remember sitting down with back in 2015 with Corey Anderson because we were but obviously pretty much predominantly white ball players and saying, well, how do these rankings get determined? And, and how do you choose what format you're going to focus on? And, and I look at it in this way, like I, I look at it in New Zealand cricket, the weighting of your contracts is, is two points to um, two points. There's four points up for grabs. Okay. So there's two points up for grabs for your test ranking, one point for one days and one point for T20s. So there's a financial incentive for any domestic New Zealand and cricketer to come through and say, I want to play test cricket or even in the domestic rankings the weighting is towards four day cricket so you've got a lot of guys who really have the skills to be exceptional white ball cricketers but get caught in the middle grounds of having to get their skills right for test cricket as well as one day cricket and vice versa because that's how their contract, um, the amount of money they get paid yearly is weighted and and New Zealand cricket's contracts are uh, just on a one year basis so um, each year you have to try and put a foot in both camps so we're not really going to see those specialists and we've just seen that with Jimmy Nisha, misses out on a contract because he was nowhere near making any weighting points in um, the test cricket um, arena and in my opinion um, he, he was going to be so important for New New Zealand cricket over the next two years. So if we had a white ball contract list um, or something of the sorts, um, you know, you might not see him away as much as you potentially would and be playing in the Super Smash right now. Yeah. Well, thinking about likes of Nice, the guy like Colin de Gronham, he was so valuable in the team because he batted at seven. He always he could even open the bowling. He could bowl 20 or even 20-plus mm. overs a day. And at the moment, we haven't got a guy like that. You know, it was 100 overs bowled last night before Mitchell got a bowl. And it was criminal that they kept mm. bowling um, Bracewell. They opened the bowling yesterday with Bracewell. And, and Henry, Henry looked likely, mm. but Bracewell looked very unlikely. Mm. And he bowled, I think he bowled about six or seven overs in that first spell. And then they swapped him with uh, Sony. But I'm thinking, well, I've, I hardly see Mitchell ever bowl in this team in any of the forms. He never bowls in the yeah. 50s. And I'm, I'm surprised because he's a better bowler than that. He is a better bowler than that. Yep. He, he is. 
He is a better bowler than that, but he's definitely um, a predominant batsman, where I think Colin de Gronholm was your genuine all-rounder. On Colin de Gronholm, I, I, the way I look at it is uh, if Baz was in charge of our team, he, uh, Glenn Phillips and Colin de Gronholm would be would be playing in our test team right now. There's no doubt in my mind about it. Um, so, uh, and in terms of the spinners bowling and opening the bowling in the in the subcontinent conditions, with the new ball, and sometimes you see it in white ball cricket, particularly if you're looking at Pakistan and India, sometimes you see a shine on top of the wicket. Um, and the spinners with the new ball um, can actually be more effective than your seamers if it's no if there's no swing in the air because it hits the shiny side, skids off that shiny wicket, get a guy caught in front, or it hits the seam and it'll turn a little bit more. So I guess they were taking the, the punt on that. That's mm-hmm. the kind of variation you would get. You see um, Ashwin, uh, yep. Ravi Ashwin, um, opens the bowling almost every test for India um, uh, every time they kind of roll out at home. So that's maybe was their thinking along those lines. Yeah, good stuff, Cliff. Hey, thanks very much for your call, bud. Yeah. Cheers for that. Cheers, mate. Go well, mate. Go well. It is uh, 20 past 10 here on SENZ. This is Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Keep your calls coming through on the Ken Arts Eye phone line. Goes to that. And well, stop first ball six. The block up in the air over first slip and towards the rope. Oh, another one that's gone deep square and just over the rope, too. And again, he's nailed that. That's his fourth six, Munro on the roof. That's over Percy's. Get another ball, hard work. Taking him wide and over the top, Munro. That's his fifth six. Put the rope in 15 yards. And again, oh, that's gone. Big. Get another oh. one. That's number six on the roof. Zay, just how fizzed were you about that last night, mate? And Colin Rowe was 38 or 14. They were ripped off, though. Um, the rain came. They were saying if there was rain and they were on, they would be able to stay on. So why, why, why is it they can't come back on? Yeah, it's one of those funny things about cricket, eh, Zade? Yeah, I've uh, been in those situations before, mate. It's, uh, you feel like you can play, but uh, they won't let you on the full, uh, field for player safety. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you got Munro robbed, mate. That, that was Munro hitting the ball clean. You know? That's what, um, if you get a Munro on his day, he's consistent at um, game. I mean, not consistent, sorry, but he's clean hitting. Um, there was that game a few days ago. He was nearly he was going to do it on himself, 98, um, mm. on himself. But it's just the thing with the Brisbane Heat. If they, if they come off, they come off. Um, the thing is that's annoyed me, though. There's two games for the Cavs, one both games the So what's that saying? That they've only had home games. They've taken a game to Gold Coast. That hasn't worked. They've taken a game to Cairns, and that hasn't worked. But both the games with the Gold Coast. And I reckon that um, they Josh Brown, I reckon he's going to be a good young teller. Well, he, um, that, and um, that Max Bryant, he doesn't know how to pick a six for his life. Um, I don't know what he's doing on the team, sorry. Um, he's clearly not good enough for the big bash. Mm. Um, and on the cricket last night on the Black Caps, yep. um, the, the commentator keeps saying it on sends. Um, Patel's been getting hammered in both games. The batters have found him and absolutely put him away uh, for fours. Mm. He's got no wickets. I know he had that. That big game where he got 10 wickets, but ever since, it seems he struggled. Um, I've enjoyed seeing East Sodi bowl, um, but the thing that's worrying me the most is we're trying to bowl them out, 
I reckon uh, last night they were running away with it, but then they had some poor bat- batting shots. Mm. Um, that Shaquille got the slowest, pretty much one of the slowest hundreds in the world. <laughs> he just, I don't know what he's up to, but he's just batting real slow. Is he trying to play for a draw, maybe? I don't know. It could be. I think he's uh, – look, Zane, I'll touch on a couple of your points there, mate. I think we said before, I think he's playing for his own position in that team, particularly with the selection panel change and how flippant selections can be with Pakistan. You talked about Ajaz Patel, and it's quite common for subcontinent teams in particular to look at the best spin bowler in a, in a, in a spin bowling – particularly when you're playing three spin bowls – look at the best spin bowler and try and take them down. The person who they think is going to be the most consistent and the most threatening – um, they do it against some of the best uh, the best players in the world try and do that in particular they try to take down the best bowler because then um, the Tim Southey in this ex- example has to make some tough decisions about who needs to bowl when Tim Southey before the start of this tour would have been thinking Ajaz Patel is going to park up at one end and he's going to bowl from one end and we're going to rotate all of our other bowlers, we're going to get more rest from the other end uh, for the other seamers and the other spinners so that's a strategy that a lot of these teams implore uh, to try and take on that best bowler. Now, I, I just want to hark back a little bit because we started with talking about Colin Munro, right? Mm. And he hit that 38, mm. six sixes uh, or 14 balls. Um, and you've got Martin Guptill over there at the moment as well. Yep. If, if you're, Mitch, if you're selecting the Black Caps for a T20 World Cup tomorrow, who do you want as your opening pair? Finn Allen and Devin Conway or Colin Munro and Martin Guptill? Uh... I mean, Gup's, Gup's form, like in the Big Bash, hasn't been where it's where I guess he would like it. Um, the Colin Munro factor for me is is massive, is huge. Um, and I've been asking for him to be in the last two T20 World Cups where yeah. we've fallen short. I think his experience from one to five um, in all conditions around the world um, is something that we've missed. And, and that just comes down to, um, I believe personally, a coach not being able to manage a personality. And, and if you meet Colin Munro in person and his passion for cricket and, and the game and what he does for everyone off the field, um, I, I, I think you, you would say that he's, he, he's one of the best people you ever met in your life. And, and uh, look, I, I don't know what it is, whether it's personal between Gary Stead and Colin Munro, but there's definitely something there. And he's one of the greatest. T20 and limited overs players that we've we've had in recent times, along with Martin Guptill, mm. uh, and, and we don't see him play for New Zealand for the last two or three years. No, they don't seem to want to select him, that's for sure. It is uh, just got half past ten here on SCNZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Time for the latest with uh, Johnny for news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. 18 away from 11 here on Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo, and on 0800 150 811, the Kenatire phone line is David. How you doing, David? Yeah, good, Rick Dog. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Uh, you you want to talk cricket with Mitch? Yeah, happy New Year to both of us. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to um, I wanted to talk to Mitch because after listening to both tests hmm. and considering the captaincy change, at which was endorsed by Baza that Tim was going to be proactive and and aggressive and everything else, I'm left with a empty kind of feeling that Stead and Williamson are still running the operation. Just wondering what he thinks about. Yeah, David, um, look, hey, I, I can see from the outside how you probably think that would be the case. I, I really feel that Kane's probably stepped back quite a bit 
Um, but I think what it does show is that Gary Stead and Kane's philosophies on how the game test cricket should be played were probably very aligned in terms of that kind of thing. And uh, we there was a good clip yesterday on the um, on Fox where Baz spoke about having the right captain for his style of coaching and how he wanted to play the game. And Ben Stokes was that guy, and he said it's crazy how aligned they are on how they see test cricket and, and taking it forward and taking on the game. And I don't think Gary Stead is that person for Tim Southey. So if Tim Southey is, is your person, your captain, for a long period of time, then he needs to be able to work with someone who, who does align with his values and how he wants to take this team forward. Tom Latham, on the other hand, would be very similar again to to Gary Stead. Um, having played against Gary Stead as the coach of Canterbury for a period of time, and Auckland, we had a pretty powerful uh, lower order with the Gronholm and Munro, Anru Kitchen, and and the likes for for a while. They would never ever set us a total to chase on the last day less than 300, 350 with like sixty overs left in the day. Mm. They would always take out the the loss. They would always make sure that they could draw or win if we had a real big crack at it. And it was never, we always kind of didn't like playing Canterbury because they weren't po- a positive uh, four day cricket side. And uh, geez, we gave it a dip every time. But I think that's probably it, mate. I, I think that if, I don't think Saudi's fully going to be let off the, the leash um, unless he had a different coach. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, what made me wonder was when, like, I, in a very, to quote um, Motto in a platonic way, I love Jeremy Coney, and he was screaming for them to have two shots, two shots at Pakistan by declaring, mm. and they just muddled on at, for Williamson to get his two hundred. At least that's the way I perceived it. I, I totally, and, I totally agree with that. Actually, I, we talked about it the day before when mm-hmm. Kane was on 110 or 120. At the end of the day, we said, if you were going to, be, we said this is going to be interesting to see what Tim Southey does, David, because he had an opportunity to declare behind um, and actually say, right, we're getting a result in this game. We're really going to play aggressive, and now you've got to figure out what tactics we're trying to play and, and really confuse them and, and that kind of thing. So we didn't see that, and I think that is the lingering. Uh, of, of that last partnership with Kane and and uh, Gary Stead. Yeah, and just one other thing. I, well, yeah, another thing. Um, I've got a real gut feeling that England are going going to come here and embarrass the be Jesus out of it. And, and and no one comes on our turf and does that. But I I feel that that's what's going to happen, eh? There is a chance, and, and I can see see why why you're thinking along those lines. Remember, it is our conditions. Um, so Southie and, and if Jameson is back for that, they, they will be far more effective in terms of that. Matt Henry at home has a, has a really good record as well. I think our bowlers will be a bit more attacking in our conditions. Um, I think the big fact that, that we are missing to really compete against the English and the way they're going to go about it is Trent Bolt. Mm. And, um, I, yeah, I'm starting to, to feel uh, personally just the more and more he's been away from the setup, some of the selections, are, I'm starting to feel like will we actually see him um, participate in the next one-day World Cup? I, I, I'm just getting a really bad feeling about whether he's going to be there or not. Yeah, okay, interesting. Good stuff, David. Thanks very much for your call, mate. I appreciate it. Three days, thank you.